Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are actually taking a look at something, well, let me just say, we recorded this one a while back. This was recorded back before all of this coronavirus craziness, before theaters closed. I think this might have been my last in-person recording where I had someone here at my house recording in my my little home studio it is Josh Bell joining me for this one and you've heard him many times on the show before you've also heard him on Awesome Movie Year hopefully you're checking out Awesome Movie Year because we're in season four of that and you should be listening it's a great show but uh, we're going to be talking about Gretel and Hansel which I just realized I pronounce Hansel like in Zoolander. Gretel and Hansel. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're talking about Gretel and Hansel, and this is honestly one of my favorite movies I've seen this year. We, you know, initially planned on holding this one for when it comes out on VOD, which it is out now. You should go rent it if you haven't seen it yet. And it is a really cool reimagining of the childhood fairy tale. And we have a lot of puzzle pieces to get into on this one. It's a great conversation. And just going back to edit it is just such a reminder of the fact that uh, things were so different a few months ago when we recorded this thing. It's so strange. But uh, I do hope you enjoy it. And before we jump into that conversation, I do want to remind you, please make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. And you can follow us on social media at Piecing Pod. Join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And with all that said, uh, I hope everybody's doing all right out there. I know it's crazy times. It's been crazy times for a while now. But just listening back to this episode as I was editing it really got me all discombobulated here. <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of a blast from the past. But anyway, let's get into this conversation about Gretel and Hansel. <music> All right, so back on the show, we've got with us Josh Bell. How's it going, man? It's going well. How are you? I'm all right. I'm, uh, I I got to tell you, I'm a little rusty. I haven't recorded one of these in a few weeks, actually. We've had oh all in the can episodes going up. It's like, do I still know how to do it? I'm pretty sure in the meantime, however, you've recorded dozens of episodes <laughs> of other podcasts, so I think you're probably good. I've been a busy boy. Yes. <laughs> well, we are, of course, talking about Gretel and Hansel today. Uh, this is a movie that is now, 
as we're recording, still in theaters, but it'll probably be gone any day now, and uh, we're going to be saving this one for the VOD release, which, if you're hearing this, it just happens. So, I'm glad we're getting to talk about it, though. We were just saying just before we started, this is kind of a little under-the-radar movie. It's not. It didn't quite get the attention that it really kind of deserved, and so... Hopefully more people are going to check it out and it's going to find that kind of a, uh, almost like a cult classic kind of thing, I'm thinking. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I think that's what happened to the director, uh, Oz Perkins's first couple movies, The Black Coat's Daughter and I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House, neither mm-hmm. of which were big hits or anything, but I think both have really built up followings on streaming and VOD and whatnot. And this movie seems like, even though it got a bigger platform to begin with, it was released wide in theaters obviously that just it didn't catch on and it seems made more for people discovering this wherever it ends up on vod or if something like shutter picks it up i don't know where it's gonna be i know those other two i think are on netflix so that always helps we should touch on that before we get into puzzle pieces about this is one of those movies where it's like i'm glad it got a wide release you know me i love theatrically released movies but it's like why what were they thinking exactly releasing this so big it's a weird movie for that it is a weird movie and it's funny because so right before like maybe two weeks before this movie came out we had the remake of the grudge Mm -hmm. which was directed by nicholas pesci whose first two films like oz perkins's first two films were very small kind of cult things uh the eyes of my mother and piercing and were movies that i personally like really loved and so i thought okay this grudge movie looks dumb but this guy is really talented i'm gonna check this out and then the grudge movie was dumb (laughs) it was totally a throwaway studio ridiculous crap movie and so then a couple weeks later it's like okay here's oz perkins whose first two movies i think are really good and now he's getting this big studio thing it's just going to be a anonymous trash like The Grudge was. Right. And it's not at all. It's just as weird as his first two movies. And yeah, like you said, you watch this movie in a the theater and you think, how did they expect a wide audience to appreciate this? Yeah, I, I'd love to see that like that, you know, corporate meeting where they're like, oh, what did we do? Right. <laughs> when they right. see the We uh, gave the this guy way too much freedom to make this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm glad they did. That's yes, for sure. I am as well. So uh, let's get into some puzzle pieces. What do you got for your first one? All right. Well, I'm going to start with Neil Jordan's The Company of Wolves from 1984, which is another weird kind of artsy horror movie inspired heavily by fairy tales, mm. mostly by Red Riding Hood uh, and her grandmother and, and the kind of folk tales of werewolves and also involving a teenage girl kind of coming of age and embracing dark powers maybe related to sure. these fairy tale characters where she's sort of the red riding hood figure and uh, Angela Lansbury plays her grandmother. Um, but it's very, it's dark and violent and she herself eventually kind of becomes the wolf is that mm-hmm. she just like in Gretel and Hansel where Sophia Lillis's character is becoming the witch in some way. Sure. Yeah. Um, this is a movie where red riding hood becomes the wolf and Mm -hmm. i think thematically it has connections but also is a movie made by a very much like an auteur director who has his own weird vision and i'm not sure if it was ever like a major release or what it's very much a cult movie now um i don't think it's the kind of movie that would have even with angela lansbury and people think of you know bed knobs and broomsticks or something (laughs) it definitely would not have reached a wide audience at that time it's it's been a while it was a movie that i saw on home video 
because I knew it was kind of a cult thing. And so I picked it up and watched it many years ago. It sounds cool. It, it is cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a, an interesting take and especially that far back to be kind of going outside the box with these kind of fairy tales. Yeah. Yeah. It's something, I mean, maybe, I don't know what you're going to mention. I left them out, but there, there are quite a few terrible, like pulpy B-movie takes on Hansel and Gretel, but the more artsy fairy tales. I was actually much. trying to think about that if I had seen any, because I know that it's a story that like has been used so many times over the years. I, I, I'm sure I've seen some, but I don't really have any examples in my pieces okay. or anything. Yeah, like I mean, that. I've seen Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, the one with mm. the, the like, action-y one with yeah. Jeremy Renner and Gemma Arterton, I think is. So, yeah, it sounds about right. It's yeah. very, very bad. <laughs> All right, I'll go with my first piece, uh, which is a a fairly obvious one. I think uh, some people, when they, you know, even when they first saw the trailer for this movie, uh, looked like, oh, they're they're doing Gretel and Hansel by way of A24 horror films. And so, yes. of course, I'm going to bring up The Witch. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have that on my list as well. Yeah. And, and I mean, it is just an incredibly bleak and very uh, beautifully designed film. There's just some incredible cinematography, production design especially, uh, just really stands out. And uh, as well as the music, Music, just the 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 use of you know weird aspect ratios. It's just a lot of that odd you know art house cinema kind of a feel being you know filtering this this classic children's story through. Yeah, absolutely. I, I again, I did. I had the witch on my list, and I'm glad you. The music. I know as a composer, you noticed sure. that stuff. But yeah, the music in this movie is fantastic. Oh yeah, very like it does a lot to contribute to the eerie unsettling feel of this movie absolutely yeah that that music uh that that will play into another puzzle piece coming up but yeah no it's it's uh it's so just just haunting and beautiful and just really really huge it's just like a hugely epic cool score i just love it yeah i love it too it is fantastic all right what do you got next so my next piece is the shining Cool. Stanley Kubrick. This I'm sure that Kubrick is a big influence on Oz Perkins. And The Shining, of course, is the horror movie you know, that, that Kubrick is known for. But I, I mean, I think beyond that and the kind of very the very meticulous composition mm -hmm. of everything in this movie, uh, of course, The Shining known for the ridiculous elaborate sets that Kubrick had built for the interior of that Overlook Hotel and I'm sure they didn't have the resources that Kubrick did in order to make this sure. movie, but all the set design in this movie is so detailed and obviously all meant to contribute to that sense of horror. Like just the spaces that the characters are in are really designed to unsettle you. Sure. Um, and it also has that kind of cold removed quality that Kubrick is sometimes contributes well and i think sometimes is detrimental to the kubrick films sure. but uh, i mean i think it works really well here especially with a fairy tale that people are very familiar with to kind of look at it in that that clinical perspective um so and and it's creepy sure just like the shining is creepy yeah <laughs> uh it's very much disturbing and and weird so i i'm sure that the kubrick has a lot uh, of influence on Perkins. Oh, I think so. That uh, like the symmetrical framing. Yeah. And like yeah. There, there's there's a lot there that I think completely makes sense to to cite The Shining as as a uh, as a piece here. Um. So yeah, I, I definitely like that one. I'll go with my next one. Continuing with those visuals, uh, is the cell, which oh. I I honestly. 
I barely remember if I even watched that movie. I just know the visuals so well, yes. you know? It's like just such just otherworldly nightmarish visions and stuff like that. And, you know, mainly when we're, uh, you know, getting some of the, the you know, real trippy freak out stuff we're getting a lot of stuff like that some of the uh the flashbacks and the underground stuff with the uh the young witch and stuff like that uh there, there's some just really cool weird visuals in there and you know speaking to that your last puzzle piece there with the shining and then also with this one with the cell um it's another thing that I'm just so grateful this was released in theaters because I think all of that works so well when it's just big and, you know, enveloping your vision that way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. This is a movie that you want to be able to immerse yourself in and definitely. to be able to go see it in the theater. Yeah, I definitely did see The Cell. I mean, I think I saw that in the theater and it's one of those movies. The visuals are memorable and amazing. The story is not very exactly. interesting. And that's kind of... And actually, Tarsum Singh, who directed The Cell... Uh, made his own weird fairy tale movie later, which was not very good. It's I think it's the one with Julia Roberts where they take on Snow White that's called Mirror, Mirror. I'm not 100% sure about that. Yes, I think you're right. But he definitely directed one of those. And I remember, because I remember going to see it and thinking, okay, this looks dumb, but he'll probably make it look really cool. And he really, it, it didn't. I remember thinking, oh, the director of The Cell is making another movie. I should watch that. And then again, I don't remember if I ever saw it. So. Yeah, that one wasn't really <laughs> worth seeing, I yeah. don't think. But it was another one of those. There was a very much like that brief trend of like blockbusters based on uh, fairy tales. And yeah. we had the Red Riding Hood one with Amanda Seyfried sure. and um, the Snow White and the Huntsman and all of those movies are bad. That's an interesting thing that uh, uh, filmmakers, Hollywood, you know, w- would take these these classic stories and go one direction, which is just these big CGI blockbuster fests, and then go this other direction of just weirdly dark, creepy, freaky movies like this one. Yeah, and I think maybe... At one point, I wonder if this was conceived to be more of that blockbustery version, and they hand it to Oz Perkins, and he gives them this instead. Right. <laughs> and good for him. I think that's awesome. Hell yeah. So what do you got next? Uh, all right. Well, uh, speaking of adaptations of classic stories, uh, it was not really a fairy tale, but it's kind of achieved that status. My next pick is Jan Svankmeyer's version of Alice, uh, Alice in Wonderland, uh, which is a very disturbing surreal take on that story which i mean if you go back to the original lewis carroll version is disturbing and surreal but has become more of a cuddly kind of disney version of it with between the animated movie and you know the later johnny depp speaking of turning these things into soulless cgi blockbusters (laughs) um but jan svankmeyer who is a i think he's czech He's uh, known for a lot of his disturbing stop-motion animated things, and this is a movie that combines some weird stop-motion stuff with live action and is just one of those things that you... It's been a long time since I saw this, but it's one of those things where you think back on it and you think, did, is that a scene from that movie or is that like a nightmare? That yeah, I did have? I have that nightmare <laughs> right, once? exactly. Yeah. I've never seen that movie, actually, but like, yeah, I, I know of some of like the, the shots and stuff from it, and it's just, oh my God, it's yeah, freaky. It's, I mean, all of his stuff is freaky and weird and disturbing, but that's the one where he applies that to kind of this well-known story. I probably shouldn't watch it. I don't <laughs> think I'd be sleeping, Yeah, quite frankly. Um, but yeah, no, that that's cool. That's a good, good piece there. And uh, yeah, I mean, it just goes back to that whole... Just retelling these stories. I mean, and it really is a dark story to begin with, but telling it even darker and taking it to its extreme. Yeah. Or, I mean, 
going back to the original darkness, like, as I said, after it's become cuddly and family friendly, really going back to the grim fairy tale or to that Lewis Carroll story and getting the darkness of it back into it. Totally. So uh, I am going to go with my next piece. I had mentioned the uh, the music coming into play. This is that one, um, but also a lot of production design and, and visuals and stuff as well. Uh, Panos Cosmatos Mandy from a couple of years ago, which I, I think, uh, especially um, when we first see the, uh, the the house that the witch lives in, um, it reminded me a little bit of some of that, like, uh, the, the construction of just how weird looking and just, just there's something so off about the, the design of it all, you know, and in such a great way, just such a, a really well done way that just kind of unsettles you and makes you think like that this just can't be right. This can't be real, you know? And it's just, it, it, it really sets you up in a way that is disturbing and, uh, and really sells, really sells that, that fact that this, you know, it, it's a big uh, theme through the movie is that, you know, something seems too good to be true. It probably, you know, is too good to be true. And, and, uh, it definitely sets you up for that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can see that. I'm not a big fan of, of Cosmatos really, uh, at all, but. Yes, I can absolutely see that. And his first movie as well, Beyond the Black Rainbow, uh-huh. has a lot of those similar elements to it. Yeah, um, and that Johan score, fantastic. Right, yeah, Rest I agree piece. with you there. Yeah, <laughs> I was a little I was a little underwhelmed with Mandy overall, but it does have some, some great some music. Some good music, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Right on. What do you got next? Uh, so my next pick is Terry Gilliam's Tideland, uh, which is another sort of... It's not based on a particular fairy tale, but it very much has the fairy tale tone to mm-hmm. it about a young girl younger than than Gretel in this movie more the age of Hansel in this movie um who uses her escape into kind of this fairy tale-ish fantasy world to deal with the horrible circumstances of her life her mm-hmm. junky parents who've died of overdoses and left her stranded in this farmhouse with people who are not well-intentioned yeah. toward her <laughs> and that is an extremely dark almost too dark and unpleasant movie um, as far as Gilliam goes. And maybe the more obvious Gilliam pick here would of course be the brothers Grimm. Sure. But I think that movie is more of like a blockbustery kind of thing. Yeah. That takes that other direction. Totally. Right. And even though it, it explicitly takes on these fairy tales, whereas Tideland, which came out, I think the same year actually hmm. that he made basically at the same time goes in that much darker, weirder, like uncomfortable direction yeah and with this young female main character who is having kind of a coming of age awakening into being dark and disturbing and the way that she ends up um so i think that probably fits here more but but gilliam in general like kubrick is probably, I would think, a big influence on Oz Perkins. Yeah, totally. I, I think that, yeah, those filmmakers totally uh, inspired him. Um, and yeah, it, I mean, Gilliam, just so much like weird imagery and stuff yes. like that, totally. Yes. Uh, th- that's a, actually a great pairing with my next pick, so I'll just jump right into it, uh, and, and that is Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, I had that too, yeah. You did, absolutely. But yeah, no, I mean, it, it, of course you got the, the, the girl escaping her harsh reality for this fantasy world but then also uh just uh, the the whole setting at the table with the the creature and the food and just being just totally like sucked in you know 
Yeah, absolutely. I I agree. I did have that down on there, and I think I think you could add Del Toro as someone who clearly has a lot of influence on Perkins here. Totally, totally, absolutely. Uh, so all right, what do you, what do you got next then? Okay, so uh, well, my last one, although I I did kind of want to do a brief little mention of something else that's not that relevant, but sure. Um, so my last one is a movie that I don't think I've seen since I was a child. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, Return to Oz, the uh, sequel to The Wizard of Oz, starring Feruza Balk, which I wanted to mention this not because I particularly remember that much about it, mm-hmm. um, but because, I mean, actually, in a way, like I was saying about the Jans Fankmeyer movie, it's one of those things that's so disturbing, and yeah. especially because it was seen by so many people when they were children, that you you don't know, you have these you know, fuzzy memories of like, is that something that I dreamed, or is that something that really happened? And I think this movie has kind of come back into the pop culture conversation a little more recently because it's available on Disney Plus. <laughs> and all of these people reminiscing about having seen it as a child and how it like scarred them that after having watched The Wizard of Oz, which I mean, I guess has some creepy moments like flying monkeys and whatever, but it's really G-rated and family friendly. And of sure. course, it's from 1939 when that kind of really intense, scary stuff wasn't being shown. And then... Fast forward to the 80s when they make this return to Oz and it's dark and twisted and scary. And I mean, it starts with Dorothy in like an insane asylum yeah. and just going from Judy Garland to Feruza Balk yeah. as <laughs> as Dorothy. I mean, just right there is this this darkness that comes up. So, oh, yeah. I mean, that's also a movie that I think was not successful initially in theaters, but because it got rotation on like the Disney Channel and was out on home video, that so many kids were subjected to it and it like traumatized them. And I wonder if neglectful parents may think, oh, Hansel and Gretel, sure, I'm going to show this to my kid and just traumatize the hell out of them. Oh, yeah. Or, or daughter's going to have some kind of awakening or something. <laughs> that, too, is quite <laughs> yeah. possible, yes. But, yeah, no, I remember when, uh, I think it was was it the 80th anniversary of, of Wizard of Oz? Yeah, that yeah, was recently. It just came out. And, yeah, I remember there were some articles uh, that were just talking about, you know, that you remember Wizard of Oz, but do you remember, remember, you know, right. Return to Oz? And they'd have, like, clips and stuff. And, oh, yeah, it's freaking weird. It is, that yes. Is a weird ass movie yes all right well uh i only have one more piece actually as well so okay. uh my last one and honestly i i kind of lazied out here but I, I i just put down star wars in general i didn't really put a specific okay. one yeah but no i just you know like the 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 evil master who's trying to bring you know the the girl to the the dark side of her powers and stuff like that i feel like you know me, I'm not a big Star Wars guy. I feel right. like that's a running theme through a lot of the Star sure, Wars movies, sure, trying sure. to bring people to the dark side. Right, you know? yeah, especially in the more recent ones with Rey, because you have yeah. the young female protagonist as the one who's being tempted to the dark side. I yep. can see that. Yeah, they have the power within them. They have to awaken it, but then are they going to use it for good or not? You yeah, know? All right. so, no, yeah, that's fair. That's yeah, fair. It works. Yeah, it does work. It I does like work. that piece. Yes. I okay. don't care what anybody says. No, okay. I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to quickly mention Star Trek First Contact. Oh, so we can so get we Star, Star Trek Wars. We Star, Star Wars. Wars. Beautiful. Not, not that that necessarily as a movie has much to do with this, but I was just thinking of Alice Kreege's performance as the Borg queen in that movie. And there's a lot of that in her performance as the witch here. Yeah. Huh. I, I haven't seen that since it first came out, but I, I completely forgot that was the same person. But yes. I'm totally picturing her right now. It's exactly, you know, I totally see it. Right. And a lot of what that what she does in that movie is trying to seduce someone to the dark side, sure. to getting them to join. You know, Picard is 
resisting his Borg uh, influence and yeah. she's trying to draw him in. So even though overall that movie has nothing to do with this, I think maybe there's a little Borg queen in Alice Creech's performance here. It works. I, yeah. I like it. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I love her in this so much. She's just yeah. so much fun. Like, you know, it's early in the year, but she's like the early, like, you know, small indie film performance that I'm like, going to champion through the rest of the year. You yeah. know what I mean? Just be so excited about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and Sophia Lillis, who we haven't really mentioned much, who plays right. Gretel, she's also fantastic in this Excellent. movie. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's been great in so many things yes. lately. She's got so much ahead of her. I she think. really does. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's do the finished puzzle. Then we'll get into some uh, closing thoughts on Gretel and Hansel. Uh, finished puzzle includes the company of wolves, the witch, the shining, the cell, Alice, Mandy, Tideland, uh, Pan's Labyrinth, Return to Oz, Star Wars, and Star Trek: First Contact. Quite a list. There. Yes, absolutely. We got uh, we we got some some really creepy shit, and then we have uh, some of the biggest movies ever. There so, you go. Yeah. There you go. Big, so interesting mix there. <laughs> um, other closing thoughts. Uh, I mean, one thing that I just got a really big laugh and an otherwise super bleak although it was you know darkly comic here and there but but when she sends uh sends uh hansel off on the horse at the end um that just kind of gave me a laugh i just thought it was so funny okay. just like you know yeah. and just head off yeah head off into the woods just little right. boy on a horse yeah, i just thought he's that gonna was gonna go find the the huntsman or whatever yeah. and they'll take him in and he'll be fine yeah he'll be fine that yeah. kid's I mean, he, he can't do any worse than where, where that's he's at. true. Yeah. I mean, he almost got eaten. So <laughs> yeah, really, so. it's everything's just uphill from there. I don't know. know. That just made me laugh. I love that. Um, I, another thing um, uh, that that I was going to mention, uh, I the uh, stroking the staff was a nice little metaphor there. Sure, and, yeah. yes, <laughs> pretty pretty obvious one. Yes, but, you know, <laughs> but it works really well in the yeah. uh, in the themes that are being explored here. I thought right. that was pretty damn good. Right. Um, and then my last uh, little closing thought was just a killer death for the witch um, with the burning alive and then the head getting chopped off. Fantastic. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of good, you know, great imagery in yeah. this movie. I, one delivers. thing I like, I like too when when I think a lot of like horror movies do this where they can make food that's really enticing look mm. like repulsive yeah. even though it looks the same but you just like get the sense of it being like sort of overripe and nasty and yeah there's a lot of that in this movie um yeah i mean i just i i think it's a good movie and i as i said i was kind of wary going in i wasn't sure how this would turn out and i enjoyed it quite a bit it's I don't know. It's close to my favorite movie of 2020 at this point. Not that there's a lot of competition for it. Um, I, 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 I hate to even admit this on the podcast right now, but right now it's this and Sonic the Hedgehog for me. <laughs> Talk about horror. Sonic the Hedgehog. I have seen some other movies that are better than Sonic the Hedgehog. Well, I, would, I, I'm, I'm, ca this... I'm counting Portrait of a Lady on Fires of 2019. No, movie, and that's, so. that's correct. That's correct. Um, no, I mean, I, I hope that if it's out on VOD now that, that people will come to it, especially people who are horror fans who maybe thought, oh, do we need another one of these dumb fairy tale movies? Like, it's right. not just that. It's not Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. It's really well made. And, and I also hope that this wasn't Oz Perkins' only shot to, mm -hmm. like, make a big movie, that just because this movie didn't become a success, that he'll still get 
a chance to make more stuff because I think he's a really great voice. And if you see this movie, go back and watch I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House. Watch The Black Coat's Daughter. Both of those have very similar, eerie, unsettling tones and great performances from their lead actresses, from Ruth Wilson in I Am the Pretty Thing and from uh, Kiernan Shipka in Black Coat's Daughter. So yeah, I just, I like this movie and I hope more people see it. Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, I, I really hope he gets a little bit of a cult following now that it's going to be out on VOD. Absolutely. So. All right. Well, I think that about does it. Uh, Josh, um, is there another movie you saw recently you'd like to recommend? Well, I was going to recommend a TV show, um, All right. if that's okay. We're making up our own rules here. Well, that's I feel fine. like it's no, happened here before. Go, go for it. Go well, right. because we talked about Sophia Lillis okay. and how great she is and how much good stuff she's done recently. Of course, the It movies, and she's great in those. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoy the Netflix series I Am Not Okay With This mm. which is almost a movie because it's so short it's like seven 20 minute episodes uh-huh. um, and you can easily get through it um, it's from some of the creators behind The End of the Fucking World which I actually really did not like mm. and this is more of a it, it's less of an abrasive tone than that Sophia Lillis plays this kind of outcast teenager who discovers that she has these telekinetic powers she can't quite control them so it's got a little bit of Carrie in it, but it's also very John Hughesy. Even though it hmm. takes place in the present day, it's got a lot of cool, fun retro stuff to it, soundtrack-wise and fashion-wise. And Sophia Lillis is just so appealing as this character who's kind of a jerk a lot of the time, as teenagers often are. And right, especially right. if she discovers these powers that she can use against people who've been bullying her. Um, but she's just relatable in that kind of teenage dirtbag way. It's it's a funny show. It's well-plotted and well-paced and leaves you with interest to see what happens next. So easy to watch on Netflix. I am not okay with this. Sounds like a uh, little connection to Gretel there as well with that too. Yeah. 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 I like it. All right, cool. Well, uh, why don't you tell people where they can find your work? Well, of course you can listen to awesome movie year, the podcast that I co-host with comedian Jason Harris. And that is produced by the great David Rosen. Ah, Thank you. Check that out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find my movie reviews and other things at joshbellhateseverything.com, at joshbellhateseverything on Facebook, and at SignalBleed on Twitter. And if you're in Las Vegas, you can watch me on KTNV Channel 13 on Fridays at 11.15 a.m. and on Sundays at 6.30 p.m. I always love watching those when I can catch them. They're, 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 they're a lot of fun. I, I, love, I love the reaction from the uh, host to you and your, your whole thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. thank you. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I think, you know, I, we have a good time there, and they, uh, they're very uh, indulgent of me on those TV stations, <laughs> which I appreciate. All right. Well, thanks, Josh, for being here as always, and looking forward to doing more with you. Thank you. Hey, I'm Josh Bell. I'm Jason Harris. Hey, Josh, we're friends in real life, but we're also co-hosts on this new podcast called Awesome Movie Year, where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies and do a deep dive looking at movies, including the best picture winner, the biggest movie at the box office, future cult classics, and more. Including the biggest flop. And this season, we're doing 1994. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. That could be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. We're all over the web as well. Got Awesome Movie Year on all the socials and awesome moviyear.com so please like us subscribe and uh, if you do like us give us a five-star rating because we love you 
All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Gretel and Hansel. Uh, definitely, if you haven't seen it yet, make sure you go rent that because it is truly one of my favorite movies of the year. And I find that so strange because I'm not a big horror guy normally. I always say that and my friends like to make fun of me for saying that, but it is true. I'm not the biggest horror guy in the world, but uh, yeah, I, I really like this movie. It's great. So go check it out. Not enough people have. And uh, I hope you enjoyed also the fact that that was a little blast from the past. I didn't listen back to the whole thing, but I don't know if we maybe uh, encouraged anybody to go out and get outside and go have fun and and be around your fellow uh, human beings. Uh, don't do that if we said to, because uh, we're, still, we're still in quarantine. Uh, of course, things are starting to lighten up at this point, but uh, you shouldn't just go out just for the sake of going out. Go out because, you know, you have to, but don't go out for just to have fun. That's not necessary. Stay home and listen to podcasts. Why don't you subscribe to Piecing It Together? That's a great idea. You can do that on any of the major podcast apps. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. And you can follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And you know what else you could do? You can sign up for our Patreon, where this episode has actually been uh, sitting as an advance thing for a while now. So some people... Uh, a few people who are already members of the Patreon, uh, they have listened to this one already, but you're only getting it now because you weren't already signed up. So go check out patreon.com slash piecingpod. You can sign up. There are a bunch of advanced episodes that are available there, and we're going to be adding more and more bonus content as the year continues. If the year gets, you know, any kind of normal, uh, then we will definitely record a lot of new content. For now, we'll just uh, record what we can and get it up there. And we appreciate your support. So uh, I think that does it. Let's, uh, let's close this thing out with a piece of music, as we always do. All right, this will be a good one. This is uh, a horror track from a film called Daisy that I composed the score for. And Daisy is one of the films directed by Chris Johnson. So the soundtrack is included as part of the extended tracks of Beater original motion picture soundtrack, my newest album. So I'm going to play one of those tracks from Daisy, keep within the horror mood of Gretel and Hansel. And uh, I think I will play the track called She's Coming. That definitely fits with the witch in this movie so let's play she's coming and we will be back with more piecing it together coming up next week
and All Points West. <laughs>